0: Hey, y'all, hour number three coming up here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville. Tennessee. Thank you guys for staying with me here on uh, the Thursday, May 19th, 2022 edition here on the chase most podcast, a part of the blue wire pod network. Uh, go check out all the great pods across Bluewirepods.com, Greenlight with Chris long spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. Um, all kinds of great shows. Wide receiver one with Chris, Chris Carter, Max Crosby. Yeah. Oakland Raiders, defensive end's got a show with us now. All times, uh, all types of great content all across the blue wire pod network so go check out all those great shows today if you've not already done so uh, don't forget folks uh, if you would like to uh, support this very program it's easy to do so just uh, if you are an apple podcast or spotify listener hit that pause button and leave this show a five star rating and a review on either of those apps and uh, help this show continue to grow and help more people find the show hour number three Matt Green, fellow University of Georgia alumni, comes on the program for the full ride, our college football uh, show here on the Chase Thomas podcast. So always great to catch up with Matt on on this edition of the pod each week. So uh, we talked all things college football, uh, the Pac-12 doing away with divisions, how that's going to affect the rest of uh, college football, Dan Mullen's next job, Jeff Brom and him flirting with his uh, alma mater, and then uh, some early lines that were released about uh The upcoming 2022 college football season. So, we picked our five most intriguing early lines that we saw um all across the board. There's a lot of them out there. So, a uh, lot of fun as always, talking all things college football with Matt here on hour three of the Chase Most Podcast. So, follow Matt at Matt underscore W underscore green and uh, all of his great college football content there. Uh, you can also watch this very program on youtube oh yeah all of our stuff on youtube.com type in the chase thomas podcast find it there uh tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer and of course you can always email this very program with any questions uh any mailbag stuff anything you'd like for me to read it on the show at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right uncle darren let's go Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas
1: podcast.
0: Um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record. See, I
1: hate. I already hate it. I hate it.
0: Hello and welcome back to the full ride here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by my good friend and fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green. Here on the full ride this evening, Matt Green. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well, sir. Doing well. It's good to be back. Uh, good to be back again this week. Talking ball um always repping north georgia i love it
0: always repping north georgia that's what we do on this very podcast Um, today i'm
1: actually repping usa so that's um you know no one can no one can hate on that right it's usa it's it's uh enough said (laughs) yeah dead air
0: yeah, I didn't know where you were going, though, but I like it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it doesn't even look like a USA uh, t-shirt, though, because it's got like a gray and black look it to it. It is
1: gray and like navy. It's like the, the shield kind of, like the mm-hmm. soccer type shirt, you know.
0: Now that you say, bring that up, and now I'm thinking about all of your wardrobe choices over the years, Matt, and thinking back to North Georgia, <laughs> our North Georgia undergrad days, I don't seem to recall you being much of a, a pastel springy type color guy. I've never seen you in the light colors. You do a lot of dark colors and then Is the that, Georgia stuff.
1: You might be honest on in there. I don't know. I've never, uh, I've never noticed to be honest. I'm rocking a mango, uh,
0: Columbia, uh, dry fit. That- I
1: don't have any mango shirts in my collection, but I also like, I'm anti orange. Like there's nothing I would wear. That's orange unless I'm like, showing some spirit for, like, Lanier Longhorns. Like, my brother was a coach, 8th grade coach at one point there, and then my dad, like, now he helps out with, like, their varsity. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that's the only way. That burnt orange, Lanier, I would rock it. But that's the only orange I'll be caught dead in.
0: Hold on. That doesn't make any sense. You're a tequila falcon diehard. Not only are you North Georgia, or North Georgia, old North Georgia North Gwinnett, you had a whole run of Norse there for a little bit, but... Um. No, you you're in Tequila Falcon country. You can't be seen anywhere wearing some Lanier Longhorns in the local Tequila that's, Kroger. You can't do it. That's
1: fair. I think they're like same region or something. But um, mm. that, that's a rivalry. That's actually one of the games I went to is when Lanier actually came to Tequila. But um, you know, blood. You know, I gotta I gotta rep my pops. You know, so if he's <laughs> if he's if he's rocking the burnt orange, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. There you go. Because my my dad raised me that way. He had a, had a he had a shirt. I'm sure a lot of people have have seen these old Georgia Georgia fan shirts. It says "Rednecks Turn Orange in the Fall," and then it's got Tennessee, Clemson, Florida, and Auburn on the back of it. So that's how I was raised.
0: Well, I can't really talk considering I have a Waffle House uh, hat with my <laughs> Tennessee stuff. So. Um, I don't know. Waffle House will be in the top three, top five restaurants for me forever. You gotta rip Waffle House whenever you can. This is a very Waffle House friendly podcast. Um, this is also the debut of more art behind me. I don't know if you noticed this, Matt Cream, but we've got Peyton. He's made his first appearance on Peyton. the the YouTube. So you can check that out on YouTube.com. Chase on podcast. He's right next to Doc Rivers in a hawk uniform. You know Benjamin Matlock, my guy, my favorite all time uh, TV character. And then we've got, for my family, my dad's favorite show growing up, guess what? Andy Griffith's show. The Men of Mayberry. This, I'm not even going to mention how much this thing cost back in the day when I got this. It took a little bit to get ordered and come in, but uh, it's like metal, and it's, uh, it's super cool, but it's like an old set thing. I don't know. But you got Don Knotts, you got Ron Howard, got Gomer, so there you go. Uh, I, I brought I brought it all together. It's a very homey uh, setting now behind us. So you got your flags. It's and rude, like
1: Jalen Rose, uh vibes there behind you like on that show they get Jalen and Jacoby Mm -hmm. it's kind of what you're going for I I respect it
0: yeah absolutely I mean big Andy
1: Griffith guy I see yes
0: um oh I think I just broke my toe doing this um the Air Force they sent me a helmet okay how cool is that so that's going to go somewhere haven't decided so shout out to the Air Force football program for for sending that over but
1: it's a a quality Um, face mask too that's a that's a nice helmet you got there Uh.
0: yes there is not a great way to do that so it's in a weird spot but yeah i mean (laughs) building out the home office and all that good stuff i uh i want to make the like as we expand out on youtube here and all that good stuff i want to continue adding to to the home office um matt anything new with you in the last week uh anything new at home anything new with the pups Having any um, other strange men cutting your grass, like Hey like that. Bertie.
1: <laughs> Bertie not only that, he stays mowing just the back part of my yard. I mow the rest of it, but mm-hmm. he, um I'm not gonna stop him, you know. That uh that part would take me way longer to do than it takes him on the riding lawn mower. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um earlier today I see him out picking up pine cones like on my side of the yard, like our where yards come together. This guy's mm-hmm. picking up pine cones basically in my yard for me like this guy just bernie shout out quality neighbor had no idea what we were getting into when we bought this house
0: yeah like a good neighbor bernie is there as they say um
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man
0: that was pretty good well done well done um speaking of well done Uh, Matt Green, Nigel the Nighthawk, our guy He dropped off some news uh, This week for us before we get into the main event Um, And the main event we should mention At the top of this show It's going to be some betting odds That FanDuel released That a bunch of games Like There's so many early odds here and I just went through all of them, and I, there were a lot of them that uh, caught me off guard and uh, surprised me. So we're gonna do our five biggest, uh, most interesting uh, early lines. They'll change. Um, I don't think they'll change drastically, uh, barring injuries and stuff like that, but uh, it tells us where people see a lot of these teams uh, going into this fall, what we what we should expect and those fan bases should expect going into uh, the 2022 season. But before we get there, Uh, The Pac-12 is scrapping its divisions uh, starting this year. This is happening now. We talked on the pod last week that the ACC was moving towards this next year. And then uh, the Pac-12 coming out of nowhere and just being like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this today. And it's another good reminder that so much of what we like to believe takes time. And uh, it's like, well, it has to go through this process. We have to do this. So it's like when we learn with scheduling, uh, you can schedule the week of the game and make it all work you can do coastal byu that week you that's you don't have to schedule 10 years out you don't have to do any of this there's no that we don't have to keep doing this um because you can get it done and the pac-12 was like we're just gonna change our model and uh do this differently this year and look i think this is the way to go i think divisions have kind of outlived their use i think in a lot of these conferences uh, shout out to the ACC and the Big 10 we can't even name what they're called half the time and who's where and there's just no no reason for it anymore um the SEC is just too big i, at, I miss at, the
1: legends and leaders
0: i know the legends and leaders it's just it's kind of silly and we don't need to do that anymore and the model of the two best teams in the, the year face off in the championship game some years they'll have already played in the regular season some years they won't And that's just how it should be. And the folks who are worried, it's like, oh, well, how does the Mizzou's and the Arkansas's and the Mississippi States and the Colorado's, how did they ever get back in if you're only going to do the the best composite rating, the best conference rating? Because that changes things. It changes who represents it. But it's like, well, it'll be better games. And ultimately, the system is better when it rewards the best. And ultimately, that's what we want. We want the best games possible and even if that means rematches, sometimes those are still the best games because those are the two best teams in the conference championship, which should be the point, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. With, and these these conferences get so big, like that's why the Big Twelve is just doing it well. I, although I guess the Big Twelve is going to have to do it differently once mm-hmm. they get the four new teams. But um, they'll, they'll be a twelve team. I, they will be the Big Twelve at that point. Yes. So. I think it's, um yeah, I can't hate on the Pac-12 doing it, except for it just seems weird before you, you adjust the scheduling, because you could just have someone that's in the bit Pac-12 South that's got a much more difficult schedule, or vice versa, and two teams from the North make it make it in, or something like that, you know what I mean? So it seems like until you balance out the schedule, you kind of have to keep the divisions as is. But, yeah, I mean, it makes sense for, like, the, the big picture. I think that's that's really going to be the only way to do it. Like, when when the SEC, when you're talking about a 16-team conference, like, you're going to have to just take the two best conference records, which essentially is what best winning percentage is saying. I guess if you get a game canceled, the, the percentage could be different or something. But that's essentially what it's saying. I, I think it seems like an overreaction in terms of, like, like the, the fan reaction to it because – like, it's not going to be that many... There's not going to be that many years where it was even really an option for... Like, usually the team that wins the e- SEC East, SEC West, those are usually, like, the, basically the two best teams in the conference. Like, there's mm-hmm. some exceptions in there. And with multiple conferences, like, the Big Ten is definitely one that the Big Ten East seemed much better than the Big Ten West. Seems like those are the two best teams are usually in that division. Um, but it's just... I, I hate that we, we we're just we want to take so much off of the field when it comes to college football. It's like while you might have your opinion on the oh the east is stronger or the west is stronger, there are those instances where like they they may be rare, but there's instances where there's a lot of good teams that can kind of beat each other up and then the team that comes out of that division is actually a lot better than you think they are. Like that sort of thing can happen a lot, and so it's like to have these these lopsided, say if it's in the Big Ten or something, to have these lopsided conferences or divisions, and Wisconsin could could win that, and they and you just decide to play Ohio State, Michigan part two because oh, they're the best two teams, like Wisconsin you didn't play anybody, whatever whatever your opinion is, it, it seems like a slippery slope. Like while you can do the divisions, it seems like you're playing all these teams. Whoever comes on top should be in the conference championship.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could sell me on just not doing the conference championship games anyway, but um, I don't know. I think we're just going to see more shuffling. uh, Friend of the pod, late kicks, uh, Josh Pate. He mentioned this. um, I think I was uh, listening to this today where he talked about um, one of the pros, because he's pretty uh, anti-college football playoff expansion like myself, and he, the one positive of expansion is that like you're going to see more teams scheduling out of conference, better out of conference schedules, because they're not as concerned about dropping an out of conference game early in the season to a good team, another Power Five team. So we're going to see more home and homes versus uh, what we, the travesty we just saw take place on the Tennessee football Twitter timeline uh, this week with Tennessee dropping the Provo trip uh, for the Cougs uh, to play in Nashville uh, against uh, Tony Elliotts. Virginia Cavaliers, which we'll get to in a second, but I don't know. I just think it's uh it's more change, man. It's it's pretty wild. A lot of changes happening, and we have to keep an eye on that bill that's circulating uh, in California. You and I are not legal scholars, so I'm not going to pretend to have like a strong take on the matter. Um, but there's a good piece by Zach Barnett in Football Scoop that folks can go check out if they want to learn more about what's going on, uh, especially ahead of Thursday's decision and what's going to happen there. But I don't know. I think. I, I it's kind of funny that I've gotten kind of conditioned to the daily, just like what's college football going to do today. I'm, I'm hesitant to like even put together our show sheet. Cause I'm like, I feel like there's going to be nine other things the sport decides to do tomorrow. That's going to throw everything up in the air. Right.
1: Oh yeah. Seriously. But I had another, it's like stayed on this topic with mm. PAC 12 scheduling. I'm, I'm not exactly aware of the PAC 12 as much as I'm the sec. Like, I'll admit that. When the SEC was at the 12 team, a 12 team conference, they would always play six games against their division, or Mm -hmm. five games, I should say, against their division, and then three games from the other division. Right now, the Pac 12 is playing a nine game conference schedule, right? Mm -hmm. So they're playing four teams from the other division. Mm -hmm. And are none of those locked? Are any of those like locked rivals like they have in the in the sec are you aware or are we just seeing four kind of a rotation of four teams like you get six teams in probably every four four years or so they might play everybody home and home i would think i'm really so not sure off the top of my head i'm not 100 sure how they have the scheduling set up but if if you are one of those teams that maybe avoids some of the better teams in the in the pac 12 north or something this year say i don't I haven't i don't have usc and like utah schedule right in front of me but mm-hmm. if they do did avoid the better teams in the Pac-12 North and then they both end up having records in the be- best team in the Pac-12 North just based on the schedule and who they played it just wouldn't seem right for both of them to get into the conference championship and I honestly think the the rematch is almost would go against somebody mm-hmm. like last year if we're in 2020 or something if we're going although grant I don't think A&M and Florida were tied but hypothetically if they were Bad example, I guess, because A&M beat Florida. But mm-hmm. say Georgia and AM were tied and they didn't play. If A&M has a loss to Alabama and Georgia has yet to play Alabama and they have the same record, it seems like the, the rematch would almost go against that team. It's like, well, we saw you play them. We haven't seen them play them yet. You mm-hmm. know, like, I don't know. It, it's we don't want to see the same games. Like we don't mind Mm. seeing if they're the best teams, but if there's a a debate on who the best teams are, like, I don't think anyone would have minded seeing, you know, LSU, Alabama part two back in 2019, but Georgia was also a a 11 and one team ranked like number five or something. At that point, it's hard to justify Alabama getting a second shot at LSU, especially since I think Alabama lost to Auburn to the week before, but regardless it just i don't i think the the rematch might almost it's it feels like that might should be the second or third tiebreaker like we're trying to get to it it's like ah i don't know who to pick you guys already played that let's let's pick someone else
0: i mean my gut is to follow does fcs they don't do conference championship games do they unless i'm mistaken i don't think they do um in fcs they just jump right into the playoff format and i mean that's what they do in high school is that right uh, yeah high school you win okay. your region and then you go into the tournament like you go into the playoffs like you just move on you're like yeah winning your region's cool and uh it's a big deal for a lot of programs but ultimately you, you jump into the playoff pool and you move forward i think it's just kind of silly that we do the conference championship games i would rather if we expand the playoff i would get rid of them i see, would just no, have an... see,
1: oh man we're already i feel like the worst part about college football compared to college basketball is there's such a a limited way to measure like tangible success. Mm. And I feel like conference championships, so you can have all these, all these, you know, smack talk like, oh, well, you guys, you guys haven't won anything. It's like, well, we win 80% of our games, right? Like, that's, we're a good team. We might haven't won a championship, but you still have a conference championship. You still want those, those accolades, like those achievements. Like, if you, if you get rid of conference championships, then literally the entire sport, all we care about is the playoff. And every game that's not a playoff implications is is like an irrelevant game.
0: But that's what they're inching towards anyway. That's what they want. Just give them what they want. Let's just stop the, stop no, the charade. show. that's not what we
1: want. That's not what we want. Some people might want that. It's we, not what I need, want. You need I just, conference championships.
0: Well, here's my other at. Here's what I'll also throw. Um, and it kind of speaks to what you're saying about the body blow thing. Um, if we expand the playoff... And then you have the top two best teams in the SEC. What the scenario? What we're going to see, and this is something that I think, if every program's honest about it, it's just depth is going to be the champion year over year from now on. Like there's no path to you contending seriously. There was already a shallow pool of realistic contenders uh, in the 14 playoff, or even in the BCS era. But if you do best team, like, it was a break for Auburn to get Mizzou in the SEC title game. And sometimes you well, need those. Well, but
1: remember, Missouri, I think they lost to, like, Toledo or something mm-hmm. early in the year, right? But they were, like, ranked number five, number four going to the SEC championship. Like, they were a really good team that year. They they weren't as good as Alabama. But... Right. Or, <laughs> but, that's what yeah. I'm
0: saying. They weren't as good as, like, several other SEC West teams that year. And my theory is that, like, we'll see – it's just going to be hard. So if you're asking an SEC program to run the gauntlet in the SEC, a 16-team SEC with Oklahoma and Texas in it, then play the best team at the second-best team in your conference, beat them two, and then win three consecutive Power 5 games, basically. And all some of them at home, maybe in neutral site. The only rosters that can handle that kind of wear and tear and that much of a grind are going to be the – best of the best the deepest of the deep it's just going to be extremely difficult to ask a lot of these programs to go on that kind of run I, don't, I think when you hear like folks like Saban talk about parody um and people just jump on him for anything that he's saying but like ultimately i get where he's coming from and i think a lot of fans would prefer that but the expansion of college football playoff is going to have the inverse effect there where I just, I don't think when you switch to this model, you do the pods, you do more in-conference games if you're an SEC program. So you have nine SEC games plus the SEC title game plus three playoff games. I just, you're Mississippi State, you're Arkansas, you're whoever, you're a good program, you're an old Miss, you have a great year. You can finish number two in the SEC one year. Guess what? You get through and you're still in the playoff. And then you're like, all right, we went 10 and two this year. We won an upset against George in the sec title game. What's our treat Penn state on a neutral site. And then uh, another sec team in round two. And then the national title against like Ohio state or something. Like it's just, that's asking a lot. Somebody has to win it, but it will just be a select few. It will be a very, very small number. And I guess that's kind of how it's always been, but I think it will, I think it will grow even smaller. And I kind of will bet on who wins it every year based on who I think is the deepest team in college football that can withstand the most injuries.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's already kind of True. part of who wins it every year, right? I mean, it's like co- college football has always been a, a top heavy sport. I um, I just wonder how they're gonna do the tiebreakers because like in the SEC, like for example, like 2000, 2003, uh, SEC East, Georgia, Tennessee and Florida all, I think, lost one or two. One They lost the same number of conference games and all beat each other, essentially. Lost to the other one. And I think they went by the BCS standings. Same way with, with Texas A&M, or Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas in, what, 2009, 2008, mm. uh, when all of them were so good. I think they went by the BCS standings, which which kind of sucked because it's like, well, we all beat each other, and the, the, stand, the, the rankings are basically going to be based on the preseason rankings, right? That's mm. that's who's going to be at the top. So you can't really go college football ranking in that scenario because there's people, like, there's a committee, like, picking the college football playoff. It, it doesn't seem as pure as, like, oh, let's let the computers decide kind of who amongst these three teams is the best since they all beat each other. It's like we're letting a committee decide, like, I don't know. It's it, It's like we're not... They, there's while everyone else is looking at the top four or something they're they're getting shifty with this number seven and eight, and nine or something to determine uh conference divisions and things like that. I don't know. It would just, I'm, I'm curious to how they're going to do it. We where they're going to have to do something uh, when it comes to these, these new bigger conferences, but uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Dan Mullins' next coaching job. Uh, he friend of the pod, Graham Coffee, broke this one uh, earlier. Was it this week? I don't know. Time. I've been like in a black hole, just doing my uh, graduate school finals here at University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and uh, I've just been like in a bunker and living in the library and just uh, barely uh, getting little scraps like Oliver Twist. Just like, can I have some college football news, please? And just a just a little bit. Just I a want little some bit. Some more. Yeah, that's me um but you know i thought uh this was pretty interesting and folks again people just have their narratives and have their opinions on dan mullen they're like oh how the mighty have fallen from florida sec power five head coaching job to analyst or whatever his position is going to be assistant i think or some kind of helper now at uh, lake oconey academy i think his son plays there and my response was it's a pretty good gig he gets the buyout money he gets to—he li- already lives in the lake. He gets to spend time with his family these next couple of years. He gets to have a stress-free job, and he can just become an Alabama analyst whenever he wants. Like, there's no reason for him to jump right back into it. Enjoy your life, man. College football is a mess right now. I would—I would sit this out for a little bit. I would just be like, let NIL and the transfer portal continue to. Figure itself out, and I'm just gonna enjoy lake life, uh, run some fun offenses, spend time with my family, and uh, ride my jet ski. I I salute Dan Mullen for for this strategy this
1: fall. That's all fair for sure. I um I kind of thought the same thing when I saw people talking shit about him. It's like we all love to talk shit about Dan Mullen, but yeah, literally this guy is gonna be living on his what living in his two million dollar house on Lake Oconee. And right when I heard this story too, I was like. There's no way he's going to be the offensive coordinator. He's just mm-hmm. going to be like some guy that's like helping out with the team, like unofficial title or whatever. He's just, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's just going to provide insight wherever he can. Like, it's probably Florida, Florida like heard he's offensive coordinator. Yeah, like he, Florida's like offensive coordinator? That means we don't have to pay. We don't have to pay <laughs> anymore, right? It's like, no, no, no official job. am not taking a salary. Yeah. I still want your money.
0: I think he'd be an employee of the school. I think to be like a coordinator, I could be wrong, but for that kind of positional coach, I feel like you would have to be teaching something at like Oconee or some kind of employee status. But I could be wrong, and it's
1: it um. Kind of I mean, of- yeah, it should be the actual offensive coordinator. I would think yeah. so, but it, it's got it is crazy though. Like one year ago today, mm-hmm. there was a lot of people that thought Dan Mullen was a better head coach than Kirby Smart. Like that's that's pretty wild. Now it's like. I would say the vast majority of people think Kirby Smart's the second best coach in college football, and then Dan Mullins at Lake Ocone. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I do uh, The turntables it. have turned.
0: I just feel like the better argument, or the more interesting one to me, is that, like, do you think this coach with the resources available to him could win a national title? Like, is he good enough to lead a national title? Is he good enough to be a CEO coach that um, if he gets his staff picked off, that he can be fine and reassemble a new staff behind them and keep and uh keep a on? i don't
1: is that what you're asking about
0: no i'm just asking like when we're talking about kirby when you had him at number two and uh in the country is uh in terms of just college football coaches i mean i don't have a list in front of me and i don't really do that kind of stuff but i also just think that like kirby's Clearly one of the elite ones where he's just in the con like you just want to have a coach who's in that conversation where it's like if you have to debate it and there's a case for whatever, then you're you're good. That means you're in good shape. It's the you want the coach that you know you can win a national title with and there are a couple of them, and they're the what the what ifs that Josh and I uh differed on and I know you differed on my perspective on what makes into a like coach elite, but like I I don't know. I, I think um it's silly to argue about like, oh, who's better Kirby Mon. It's like Kirby's elite. He can, you can, he just won a national title. You can win a national title. He's going to keep this thing humming. But Dan Mullen also got Mississippi State number one in the country. Like, there is something to be said about just getting Starkville to November that. November
1: national championship.
0: I, man, <laughs> I'm telling you, he coached, he was a great OC with Urban. Like, he. No,
1: he definitely was. No one would ever hate on Dan Mullen's, you know, coaching, off, offensive coaching ability, yeah. right? It's just, it's like, I wonder, like, like Dak Prescott, like does does he get credit for Dak Prescott, or was it more like you know found a diamond in the rough with Dak Prescott? You know, I would argue, I would argue Kyle Trask having Kyle Trask in the Heisman race, who does not appear to be an NFL quarterback, is is mm-hmm. way more bet is a way better coaching job than just kind of discovering this diamond in the rough, Dak Prescott. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's an he's an NFL talent. Like getting having a good offense with Nick Fitzgerald, a super limited. Quarterback like that—that's a better coaching job than than discovering Dak Prescott. You know, it's like I feel like that the Dak Prescott one is always the one that seems to get highlighted. Mm. But um I think it's kind of a Will Muschamp scenario. You know, it's mm. like if you can't if you can't win at a place like Florida, then you probably can't you're, you're probably just a really good uh, coordinator, and and that's that's probably your ceiling. Yeah, you know, it's Florida. Like it's not like just the best of the best, but it's damn close to the best, right? Florida's up there in that conversation. There's nothing holding you back at a place like Florida. And with the SEC East in general, like, I mean, we all talk about how down the East has been in recent years, like outside of Georgia and basically Florida, like there's not as much competition to, like that's also to an, an advantage of the Florida job at this point. So them him not being able to get it done at Florida, it's hard to justify him ever being a head coach again, just because like, it seemed like such a, like, at a core, people just, like, dislike who, him as a person. It's like, that that seems really important. Like, if you just want to scheme some offense up and just be the, the coordinator or something, that seems like somewhere he can go find a fit and finish out his career, if that's what he wants to do, or he can just hang out with his money on Lake Oconee. But I, it's hard to see him ever getting a legitimate, like, big-time college football job, again, in my opinion. Like, I could see him... At a, at a smaller level, like where Jim McElwain is right now. Like, where is he, Colorado State? Uh, Central, Michigan. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Colorado State's is where he started. Yeah, yeah, somewhere like that maybe where it's, you know, it's, you don't necessarily have to have the elite of the elite talent to, to win those conferences. It can be maybe more about what you can do as a coach. I could see him resurfacing somewhere like that, but it's hard to see him get another, another big-time Power 5 job.
0: I mean, if I was Mullen, I would just wait for the right O.C. job in the NFL. I think he would just be an elite offensive coordinator. Like Matt Canada is doing that right now with the Steelers. Like he's the Steelers O.C. And we know Matt Canada during his brief tenure at Maryland and was the O.C. at LSU. And um, he's bounced around, had a lot of O.C. jobs. But, I mean, Joe Brady goes through the NFL with the Panthers as O.C. And he got let go and it didn't work out. But ultimately, I think that's the path. Uh, But I I disagree that he will not get another big time head coaching job in the college scene. I think if he wants it, I think his resume is still pretty strong. I mean, Florida was in the national title conversation a year ago. Um, So I, I think he'll be, I think he'll land on his feet depending on where he goes, but I also just, he's still pretty young. He's got
1: a great contact in, in the NFL. He's got Urban Meyer on the NFL. You know, the NFL teams think so highly of him. So it's solid reference.
0: I mean, he would just be – he's a great offensive mind, and I think ultimately with how much the NFL pulls from the college game now and how uh, synonymous high school, college, and NFL really are uh, these days, that I think uh, he'd be a natural fray. I mean, Kellen Morris has been fantastic in Dallas. So um, I don't know. I think Mullen – I'm not going to tell a guy what he should or should not do, but I do think uh, the guy will have options. Um, Speaking of options, Jeff Brom uh, this week, uh, he said something that was really interesting – Um, Do you remember when the Louisville job came open uh, a few years back when Scott Satterfield took it from App State? Um, That has been a rocky uh, relationship to this point. Um, We'll see what happens this fall. There's a lot of optimism in Louisville uh, going into this fall and that this is going to be a bounce back year for Satterfield's team. But Braum obviously coached there, uh, played there, and there's always going to be that pull um kenny Payne, now the men's basketball coach pull there and uh he goes back to kentucky leaves the nba for that job but brahms at a tough spot he's at purdue where he's won a lot um uh there's an asterisk on what happened in the bowl game this year Uh, some call it a win i call it a a hedge i call it a uh we're not going to talk about it type deal uh no one gets a win no one gets a loss for that particular affair uh in december but we'll move forward um jeff Brom on purdue though in louisville this is from football scoop they pulled this he was speaking at some alumni event i think it was at louisville and he said quote after being at purdue two years when it came open it was a tough call that was a tough call and he's talking about when louisville came open to be quite honest through my schooling and how i was raised i believe in at least trying to do the right thing and having morals and values it just was too early to leave It just wasn't right. You build relationships. People treat you right. The people there have treated me great. You talk to recruits, and they ask me things. Just a lot of things went into it. Uh, The story goes on to say that Brom closed his response to the question by leaving the door back to Louisville cracked open, at least for now it seems. He said, quote, but obviously now we're on year six. I love this town, this area. I'm in a loveness of Louisville, so anything can happen in the future. That kind of caught me off guard, Matt. The reason I put this in our show sheet, I was like, that's, you don't hear coaches just openly. I understand the alumni factor, but um, I don't know. This was uh, a little spicy for me. This was a little spicy, and I don't know if this is to put pressure on Purdue to back the truck up to keep him there, but I don't know, man. Uh, I, I understand where he's coming from, but it is interesting. What did you make of Brom's comments there?
1: Yeah, it's interesting uh, to say it was too early to leave. I feel like two years does seem too early. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Mel Tucker leaving after one year, one year mm-hmm. is almost like you're not even there. It was just yeah. like, this is just like a one-year thing. Nothing didn't really happen. Like, you guys won't even miss me. Like, everything's cool. I'm going to go find a better job. But two years, it's like, okay, we've been building something and just bounce. You had to respect him, like, turn him down. I mean, it's like, what's a better job, right? Purdue or Louisville? Like, oh, that's... it's Louisville,
0: no question. What makes Purdue's, Louisville a bit... Louisville has been... I mean, you have the Lamar Jackson of the world. It's a better recruiting area. It's a better, like, you're Outside in the of the ACC. three years
1: Lamar Jackson was there. Like, the last 20, 30 years of college football. Like, I, I don't think Louisville's anything better than, than Purdue is.
0: I think it's just an easier place to win consistently at. And obviously, the alumni aspect. But Purdue's academics is real, man. Their best... Whiteout just got ruled academically ineligible this week. So he's out. The replacement to David Bell is gone for the year. So it's academics at Purdue is a real thing. And Georgia Tech deals with that a little bit. Notre Dame deals with it a lot. Um, it, Stanford, there's a Northwestern. You can go up and down the list. Like They're all school. student
1: athletes for sure.
0: Yeah, but it's also just harder to stay. Like, it's just a harder school to get into. It's a yeah. harder school to maintain good grades and be a two-sport, like be an athlete. Like,
1: it's just, Is Louisville a better job than Kentucky? Football? Yeah. Yes. I mean, you're you're gonna you have a better chance to win something at Louisville. Yes. But I don't know, like, but you get that SEC money. Like, that's uh, that's some serious, you know. So, but like, if you're being to... in the Big Ten, kind of puts Purdue on like a in the Big Ten West too. Like, their their chances of get in the conference championship aren't just, you know almost impossible like you look at Maryland and and Rutgers of the world like you're not getting to the conference championship mm-hmm. you know it's just not going to happen so and the Big Ten West it seems a little different they haven't gotten to it yet and they're you know the last what decade or so of, of of Purdue football hasn't been good but like I feel like before that I mean they were a respectable program like Drew Brees Kyle Orton years like they, they've had a lot of like solid teams in there
0: for sure. I mean, Rondale Moore just came through. I mean, they put out players like that. George uh, Aftis, um, he goes in the first round like they produce a lot of NFL talent. But I don't know. I, I just it's also not home like the allure of coaching your alma mater, man. Like, I'm sure it's pretty strong. And uh, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But I, I'm and not pretty. Like, yeah,
1: I feel like that would be the only place that what you people wouldn't look at him as a Mm backstab, and like after year two which which he could have done going to louisville to the alma mater like you're going home kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah i think the fact that he actually had the opportunity to do it like it might be a hypothetical thing for a lot of guys like i'm sure mario cristobal has thought about the opportunity of getting the miami job for a long time kind of like mark Richt when he lost the, the georgia when he got fired at georgia it was like I, he, he seemed like he was so burnt out he didn't need another head coaching job but it was like his alma mater is open up like i gotta jump on that now because who knows when that could could happen again you know mm. so louisville isn't one of those powerhouses it could be open again in, in a couple of years it could be open next year you know who knows but uh it was interesting for him to not rule it out because he did have the opportunity and you think the longer you're there the the more relationships you're building right like the the more tradition you've you've built up more equity you've built up at Purdue. So I don't know. It's interesting that he didn't that he didn't shut the door completely.
0: Absolutely. Um well let's get into our main event, Matt Green. Uh FanDuel released a bunch a bunch of odds, uh betting odds ahead of the 2022-2023 college football season, which is great because it adds context to uh where the odds makers and where folks around the world uh see college football teams at the moment like spring practice is done there's still a lot of battles left to be decided um and position battles like coaching stuff and we'll we'll see injuries are unfortunately a part of this game and we'll see who gets through the summer unscathed but there are a lot true. to go Alabama
1: would have won the national championship if it wasn't for those injuries
0: yeah you know, I'll give you that uh, because I am not one of those people that whine about that sort of thing because it's just that's how it works. I mean, the NBA. Yeah, it's right? just
1: like, oh, maybe I don't know, but it, it happened. <laughs> it's, it's, it's done,
0: and that's just part of it, though. You can't turn yeah. injuries off. You play the hand you're dealt, and that is all that needs to be said. And you don't need to uh, throw out any sour grapes there. Um, however. There are a lot of odds, so you and I, we picked our favorite lines, our top five favorite lines, and I don't believe we had any crossover on our favorite lines. So, we did not. Um, I think, as the guest, Matt, you should start with which line first stood out to you that you liked.
1: Um, to start off, I gotta go week one, Utah. Mm. One and a half point dog uh, at Florida, week one. Like I just think Utah's a better team than Florida. Like I feel like they're just like I'm not no no shade at Napier or anything, but I just think week one like I don't think I don't think Florida's ready for Utah. Like I think Utah's gonna win that one outright.
0: I think it's interesting because I think Florida's first two games are against Utah and Kentucky, right?
1: Oh, I was. I was, I was I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait on that one.
0: Well, I'm saying is that that, that isn't one. that their first two games? Am that I misremembering? Yeah, yeah.
1: That's it's a on really, my
0: That's a rough way to open the year. If you're Billy Napier, if you look at their schedule, I mean, South Florida, they just brought in uh Gary Bohannon, the Baylor quarterback, Jeff Scott with his biggest portal win since taking over the bulls job. Like that's not an easy four game stretch. Cause then they go to Knoxville and then face the balls. Like the first four weeks of Napier's uh, season or tenure in Gainesville is just a murderer's row. Like it's, it's going to be brutal. Like there is a chance they're one and three after four weeks. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens here. But I do think it's unlikely Florida. The reason I'm up the Kentucky game is that like that line is interesting to me because I don't, they're favored by a couple in the Kentucky game. We'll get to that in a second, but Florida is not, I, I would be absolutely floored if they go, they sweep those two games, they go and zero. Um. Yeah. However, I, my gut tells me they split them, and I just feel like they're more likely to split with you, like win the Utah game for me and then just be overconfident because they beat this really good Pac-12 team and then lay an egg to a, just a team that loves nothing more than <laughs> beating the Florida Gators because of just how many consecutive losses they had um and it's Utah does
1: feel like the more likely win like Mm -hmm. there's just kind of those variables traveling across the country like that whole thing going to the swamp like just Mm -hmm. you know what is this September 3rd I think is the opening week like who knows what it's going to feel like in the swamp on September 3rd like we could be pushing 100 so that could definitely be a factor but but yeah, just to just skip right there to my number 2 because it's on there while we've been talking mm. about it is Kentucky. They're a plus 4 in week 2. And I I like Kentucky in that one too. I was surprised to see Florida favored in both of those games. Yeah. Cuz especially plus 4 versus Kentucky, like I definitely expect Kentucky to be better than Florida this year. It I is would the agree. swamp, but they won that they did win in the swamp a couple years ago. So mm-hmm.
0: I uh well I- Man, I that's a huge win But I, it also scares me Like I don't want Florida to lose to Kentucky at home Because I don't want them coming to Knoxville angry I do not want that being a thing I don't want them facing 0-2 In the SEC East to kick things off here The Napier tenure I, I want them to beat Kentucky Feeling good, 3-0 I want them winning the first three And then I want them to come into Knoxville And uh, lay an egg And come back down to earth a little bit
1: I would be absolutely shocked If if, if Florida is 3-0 and to start mm-hmm. the season, like I just, it's not like a murderer's row they're facing or anything. I just feel like this, this doesn't seem like a team that's just ready to to win now. Like I feel like LSU might could surprise some people and be like, no, Orgeron was just that bad. Guys had checked out that much. Like they seem like they could be more. We just know about the talent LSU gets all the time. Like Florida, like the recruiting is why Dan Mullen got fired. So like the cupboard. If it's not bare it's it's not full, right? So I just I don't see Florida starting that way. Like even South Florida like you said, like that was a game for what two quarters last mm-hmm. year. Like if they started Owen 3, Owen 4 of the Napier tenure, like year one I basically throw out for every head mm-hmm. coach. But oh man, Owen 2 would be bad, but Owen 4 that that's rough.
0: Well let's throw I'll I'll do uh two for me on my side real quick. So yeah. I've got the week zero, which is I love that Nebraska is embracing week zero football. So this is across the pond. This is in Ireland. Did you know that Northwest? Oh, that's Nebraska,
1: right. Okay.
0: And Nebraska's favorite by nine and a half in this one. Like, I'm not it's too early for our locks of the week. But Nebraska nine and a half covering that spread against the, the Wildcat offense over in ireland just lock it in like the nebraska Cornhuskers, kicking things off against that group uh mark whipple his first game is oc um you bring in casey thompson i uh, i think this will be a much more efficient um just just a better football team i'm pretty high on nebraska coming this year we'll see what happens but i'm i'm buying a lot of a lot of Cornhusker stock right now i don't know
1: if i could go nine and a half for that just because that game feels like it's gonna be like 13 to to six or something Mm. like i don't know you could be right this could be a different nebraska offense for sure it feels like so many of those games that they play overseas just get Mm. sloppy like i don't know what the different grass or you know what they're doing over there it feels like the the nfl games in in london are always just the field just seems sloppy so mm. I wonder. I feel like it seems like Northwestern's game, right? They got the long grass. So I, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't. I don't like. I don't like Nebraska at nine and a half.
0: That's fair. That is fair, Matt Gray. I do
1: like them to win, though. Okay, I'll give you that.
0: Uh, I yeah, give me your second one. I need to get Northwestern in the top one hundred of offensive efficiency per CFB stats before I'm taking them on a nine and a half point spread. I think that's pretty easy for Nebraska to uh, get that's a two touchdown Could be ten against. zip. Yes. 100 percent and i could see that um penn state minus three versus purdue in week one so penn state's on the road here in uh, purdue country we talked about them a little bit jeff brahms team's good they lose like i said their best uh receiving threat uh to academic ineligibility i thought there was a lot of fool's gold with this uh purdue team they lost a lot of talent i think they'll be fine this year jeff brahms too good of a coach but Penn State is not going to be in a dogfight this early in the season. There's just so much riding on this year. Sean Clifford comes back into the fold. Um, They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to be a top 10 in offense and defense uh, this year. Penn State is going to be on a mission. And, I mean, they've got the Auburn game on the road. That's a big out-of-conference game. But, I just I don't think this is gonna be a field goal type deal for Penn State, like where they have to kick a late game field goal to to escape from the boilermakers. I'm gonna say they win uh pretty comfortably. And I, I like that line if I'm if I'm jumping on it now. I like Penn State minus three a lot.
1: Yeah, I can feel you on that one. Also, I have to correct myself. Uh-huh. Um Florida was beating uh South Florida thirty five to three at halftime last year. Mm. So that was not a game for two quarters. So I, I apologize. That was the Anthony Richardson show last year. So mm. had to uh had to retract that for the Gator fans listening. We're not I just like ganging up on you guys.
0: Well, Matt, where are we going next? Who do you have next on your favorite lines?
1: Oh, who do I have? Um next I got A M minus eight. Miami at home I just feel like there's so much buzz around Miami I, it feels like fool's gold to me like I just I wouldn't be surprised early on too in the season like AM's gonna be good this year I think I don't know who the quarterback's gonna be yet it in my my gut is Max Johnson but I don't know but I just feel like they're gonna be there's gonna be a quality team in the SEC this year and I don't I don't see Miami playing with one of the better teams in the SEC. That's what it comes down to. So I feel like like last year like it maybe this might not be Alabama just you know taking them to the woodshed. but I think going into Kyle field, I don't think Miami's ready for that. I think uh, I think they win this game by multiple scores.
0: I mean, Cristobal did go into the shoe last year and stun the, the Buckeyes if I seem to recall correctly.
1: This is true. This is year one, though. Like, how, mm. how good can Miami be year one? I know they're they're doing a lot of re- recruiting, a lot of NIL stuff going on, but they still seem young. So, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, maybe put the team on his back. You know, we'll see. But I, I, I like AM's chances at home to, to win big.
0: I mean, if the town's close and Van Dyke is who people think he is, and they, there's now some buzz that he can go number one in the draft next year. Like, if Van Dyke's the guy, if he's a Heisman guy, then we'll look at this game completely differently uh, this fall. And I think that's something that we have to see is like, I want to see Texas A&M sort out their quarterback stuff. I want to see this offense humming. I want to see yeah. them moving in the right direction. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, A&M's though, I would stay away from a lot of A&M lines until I see uh, this group in action on offensively. Like they got talent everywhere. It's not a question of talent. It's not even a question of coaching. Jimbo's an elite coach. You want a national title? They got an elite staff, but... I just uh I not don't know. Not a
1: question of talent, not a question of coaching sounds like a damn good team to me. For right? Sure. It's gotta be, be. I, they should be a good team this year, for sure.
0: They should be. Um
1: one thing that I think sucks for A&M and AM fans is the twenty twenty year is just totally forgotten. Hmm. Like it's just completely glossed over. Like they went ten and one or eleven and one, however many games they ended up playing in the COVID short hmm. year like, a one-loss season where you're playing only SEC teams, like, that's a super impressive year that I feel like just gets kind of swept under the rug, like, no one really pays attention to it, like, they they had a case for being the four seed and making the playoff that year, so, like, it, it has such a vibe of, of kind of how people felt about Georgia, like, I think Georgia was, you know, co- collective, like, consistently better than AM. like, not going eight and five as much, but a;M is right there, one of the better teams. We all know how low to the SEC West is every year. Like all the signs are there. Like they're pointing to this team being one of the elites in college football. And I feel like we kind of forget that they were that two years ago and you're just like, yeah, but they're gonna blow it like they do every year, you know and they're gonna go eight and five. like I'm sure I even said that, but it's uh, we, I think we're a little harsh on AM sometimes. Like I think they they have all the signs to be one of the best teams in the country this year. Definitely one of the best teams in
0: the West. And we just have to see it. I mean, they got a tough schedule, but they play in the West. And I just, Jimbo and that group, they're in the conversation. They're doing everything right. Where if you're an AM fan, the program has literally never been in better shape. Ever. Like, this yeah. is the best. So just, hey, embrace it. Things are good. And just hope uh, a lot of these close games go your way and the offense figures it out. Um, my number three, the Cougs. Plus 14.5 against Wisconsin in Week 1. I like this maybe not for what you expect. It's actually because I'd like the Cougs to cover that. Like, 14.5 with this defense, and they promote from within, so they didn't have to institute a new scheme. I like their OC hire. They bring in uh, the uh, – what was the kid's name? Not Jared Garantana, but uh, their Jaden Delora just went to um, to Arizona, and their – what is his name? He's the – He's a FCS kid, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but his FCS highlights are top-notch, and you just think about they're still going to run the run and shoot offense, and they're going to be that Mike Leach style, just fun, and the defense is as good as it was this past year, which is really good. I don't know, man. I think uh, the, Wisconsin, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, the way they're playing, and we'll have to see what happens, understand with Graham Mertz, who is a question mark. Graham Mertz, we're still waiting for that to be a fun, consistent thing. I don't know, man. Brandon Allen could run all over the Cougs, and this could be a blowout, and then just uh, an, a, a, a rough game in uh, Madison. But this has all the makings of a, a cover, like for uh, the Cougs. I think they'll they'll do that do well there. Um, what do you think?
1: I could see it, just because there's always that question with Wisconsin's offense. So, you know, just Cameron Ward, had...
0: Ward is his name, by the way. I could not think. Of his okay. Name.
1: So yeah, just the idea of Wisconsin not blowing them out week one, it, like it definitely makes sense. You know, like I think that people get kind of forget Wisconsin because they 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 kind of wrote them off after the one and three start last year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they ended up going nine and four, won like eight games in a row or something. So. I think Wisconsin, like the offense started, like they started scoring more points. But Graham Mertz never started doing more in the passing game. They just, I don't know, they just started scoring more points. You're just running the ball, which is is an aspect of offense, regardless of uh, what what people might think. Offense is not only throwing the ball; you do need to run the ball as well. So Wisconsin is usually able to do that. That's their their bread and butter. So if they continue to have a strong running game, maybe Graham Mertz is enough to uh, you know lead a, a good offense. But um I don't hate the uh taking taking the cougs plus fourteen and a half.
0: Cameron Ward won the Jerry Rice Award for like best uh FCS freshman last year, but if you watch his incarnate, uh and I know Incarnate mispronouncing word. That. Yeah, their uh his stuff was just preposterous. So this dude's gonna be a lot of strong Kyler vibes, uh when I was watching okay. him. so uh we'll see. We'll see what kind of numbers he puts up up there in uh Pullman. Uh, where are we Chase going next? Tom,
1: if we, can we have an infographic? Chase Thomas, Cameron Ward, next, Kyler Murray, right there. Put it, put it on the board.
0: I, I'm just saying, folks, when you see like all the, it's like the, oh, where did Gardner Minshew come from? Where did, uh, this Washington State quarterback that everybody's all <laughs> yeah, in on? Do
1: you, do you have another one?
0: No, I'm just, what, Cameron Ward's <laughs> the next one. Like, he's just going to be a baller in Pullman, and people are going to be like, sure oh, back after dark. Yeah, he'll be trending late at night and you're like why is cam ward trend trending and it's like oh he's he's just uh putting on a show and they're down 35 14 at ucla and cameron ward's still going hard and uh throwing the ball up there and having fun out there that's just uh that's what i think Ward's gonna be good
1: hey i'm all for it i'm all for the cougs um i got soft spot for the cougs back in my ncaa days <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on my number four texas mm. t- minus one against oklahoma And the red river shootout i think texas is a better team than oklahoma uh in 2022 and at at minus one it's basically a pick so i I like i like texas to beat oklahoma this year
0: they should man uh if you're gonna it's like the whole florida texas is in that zone with uh tennessee is in with florida with their rival where it's like man if you're not gonna do it this year if you're not gonna go over the hump and put it all together with year zero brent venables and all the roster leaving Mario Williams and Caleb Williams and all these dudes leaving. Like what, uh, when are you going to do it? When or when's it going to be? Uh, I like, like
1: that comparison a lot. I feel like that's a really good comparison.
0: So we'll see. I mean, they should, they should be favored by more. It might, it might, I'm sure it will go up or down depending on how they, both both teams start, uh, the 2022 season. But I, uh, a lot of pressure on Sark and the Longhorns. And you saw the buzz about like Arches waiting to see improvement uh, from the Texas Longhorns this fall, uh, before making up his mind on where he's going to play college football in uh, 2023. So I don't know. It's, I mean, uh, I wonder, right? If
1: if they show improvement and Quinn Ewers is that guy, then is Arch trying to go there? I mean, granted, he's a he could he's a redshirt freshman mm-hmm. right this year, so he yes. could leave after after 2023. So mm-hmm. he might be only sitting for one year. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. I um. Texas still feels like uh, definitely one of the players for, for Arch Manning, but we'll we'll have to see a lot, lot a lot of time before then.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Ole Miss minus ten and a half against Georgia Tech in week three. Uh, for the folks that are wondering, so I just I feel bad for Jeff Collins, I really do, because <laughs> Georgia Tech had an awful schedule last year, and boy, they have an awful <laughs> schedule this year, and there's just no path to a bowl game. For them there's just no path whatsoever and you just you just feel for yellow jacket country and i um i, I, I say this with uh the utmost respect ten and a half is embarrassing low of a spread for old miss and jackson dart and the lane kiffin portal king train that's gonna be playing uh, the yellow jackets in week three Zach Evans and company like they're they are going to run all over Georgia Tech they are going to (laughs) win this game like if there's a lock of the week early it's Ole Miss 10 and a half they are not beating the the jackets by only 10 and a half it's I don't know what happened here uh let's get I would love to have uh AD Stansbury on this very program and I can talk to him about why he scheduled the games that he scheduled the last two years but um it's just—it's brutal. I feel like you're looking at the Georgia Tech schedule right now uh, as I'm going through this. Are you?
1: I am. I'm trying to pull it up here.
0: Look at how bad it is, Matt. Like it's rough.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, they're they're losing Ole Miss. They're losing mm-hmm. at UCF. Who else is comp Obviously Georgia.
0: They're um, out of conferences: Georgia, UCF, and Ole Miss. Man.
1: And Western Carolina's in there too. But okay. But yeah. Yeah, they're not. How many
0: wins do you <laughs> see there?
1: And they're not—they're not making a bowl game. No, like, they're—you're looking at a three or four win team here. I actually—I was listening to 680 like on my way to work the other day, and like the way Joe Hamilton talks about Georgia Tech is honestly like sad at this point. He's just like, yeah, what Jeff Collins is doing doesn't even affect me. Like he's like I'm just—he's like that—he's uh, like that, just disconnected from the program. They're just. Like they seem like they're on the on the cusp of losing like Power Five status. Like it's this is getting ridiculous. And they were, at least were always good at foot or at basketball. Like they would get like big time recruits in basketball, like big time guys here and there, right? Like a Final Four get Derek Favors, those kind of guys, you know. But now it's like they're terrible at basketball. So like what what are you doing? Like what how are you justifying still being in a major conference? Like they're just they've gotten so bad. And I just, I don't know how they've gotten this bad. I, I don't know how the line was at 10 and a half for Ole Miss.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's a steal right now, if you can get on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to my guy, Josh Passner. He's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. He's an absolute pleasure. And uh, look, the Georgia Tech basketball program's in good hands with Coach Passner. But And you also need to put some respect on the best college baseball stadium in the country. At uh, um, I've seen uh, so many games. with Is that my, the best uh, one? Oh, the skyline of uh, downtown Atlanta and everything. Oh yeah, the uh, Georgia Tech baseball okay. stadium. If you have not seen, well, the that, best
1: one is definitely App State.
0: For sure. I, I guess I'm talking about like, the. But big they ones. got an unfair advantage. For That's sure. true.
1: Just that that view in the mountains. I mean, it's not but, just uh, the view
0: in the mountains. They're just they put the stadium like in a in the mountains. It's like they they yeah. chop down the trees around the stadium to like uh, put them in this own little fortress they got going on. But yeah, no App State. Uh, definitely a bucket list. Sight for me, but, uh, Danny Hall has got the Georgia tech yellow jackets. They're humming. They've been in the top 25 majority of the year. Um, but you know, they're, they're okay. They just, <sighs> Paul Johnson, I said it at the time that Georgia tech fans were going to miss Paul Johnson. That was my take. And, uh, I just think to win at a place like Georgia tech, you have to do, you can't try and build like Georgia. What you have to do is find a niche, whether it's air raid option, whatever you got to go like you have to be like the washington State cougars texas tech you've got to think outside the box and you have to run a different kind of operation um and it's just unfortunately not going to work there but i would be interested like you thought
1: being good once every six years was bad yes just, just wait wait and <laughs> see what uh what jeff collins has got for you
0: right i mean just pluck i mean i would if i was i mean there's just a lot of different ways i can go we'll see what happens i don't want to uh talk about next coach uh while Jeff Collins is still uh still there so we'll see uh maybe he proves us all wrong we, it's a possibility maybe Jeff Sims is the guy and uh things are awesome but losing jameer Gibbs is a is a brutal blow there
1: not a great start um uh, while we're bashing these Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets <laughs> let me go to my number 5 which mm-hmm. is Georgia is a 28 point favorite over Georgia Tech in 2022 I think Georgia could basically just pick their score in this game. What was it? 45 to zero last year, like in Georgia tech last year, right? Or was What's it,
0: the line it where home? you would be like, I don't know about this. Where do you think you, you, what would be the number be before you're concerned about like losing money on this game?
1: I think 35, 35 is pushing it. Okay. You know, like it's, eh, but I would probably still take it, you know? Cause I think, it's just it's Georgia Tech, like mm. I, I, yeah. Enough. Said. It didn't used Georgia to be Tech, like this. Georgia. Paul
0: Johnson was in these games. Like this was not a guarantee. You never Georgia knew that it was yeah. going to be a pain in the butt to play this team last week of the year. Get up for this Paul Johnson annoying offense, and you never like it. Just it was you basically like, like
1: every Georgia team that Mark Richt ever had that was good smashed Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Like and then it was like when Georgia Tech was good and Georgia was bad. And then we got a good game on our hands, mm-hmm. right. And but it's those kind of like solid to good teams that were kind of like you didn't know what to expect. those kind of nine, ten win teams. those mm-hmm. would be the teams that could lose to Georgia Tech, right? like those those would be the ones that kind of overlook them or whatever the case may be. They're just a scrappy triple option team, maybe an undisciplined team that didn't tackle well or something or just didn't play there didn't play the part of the option like uh, the way they're supposed to, things like that. But it's like every year you go to like 2002, like to 2007, 2012, like all those like really good Mark Rick teams, they just smash Georgia Tech. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't even be close. And that, so I think 2009 is honestly like my favorite game. The the Caleb King, Washon Ely, we run this state game because that was actually although 06 Stafford's freshman year is is up there too because those are games where Georgia Tech was like top ten and Georgia was like basically just bad like seven eight win teams and they would still beat georgia tech because that's just how that's the different level that they're on right but but right now where georgia tech is and where georgia is like you've finally seen the last couple years or i should say last year because in 2020 georgia 2019 georgia kind of did play around didn't put a lot of teams away but you you finally saw a lot last year of like like a lot of the elite teams in college football, like the Alabamas, the Ohio States do, the Oklahomas do. Like when they're playing an inferior opponent, they make the scoreline look like they're playing an inferior opponent. And I think that's what you've seen Georgia kind of turn the page. Like they seem like a truly elite program now. And when you place a team like Georgia Tech, like, yeah, they're they're winning by four or five touchdowns easy. Like I, it's not going to be close,
0: especially not at it. home. I just don't see it changing anytime soon. I don't see there being a path back to this rivalry being respectable and what Kirby has at Georgia right now. I just don't see a path anytime soon. But
1: especially like get Georgia rep con- in Atlanta harder than Georgia tech is. It's like, that's all Georgia tech had going for them was the city of Atlanta.
0: I, um, it can't help that NIL especially, and I'm very pro NIL and this, that and the other. But when you read the Ivan Maisel piece about that, everyone should go check out an on three today. Um, one of the things just um, that he quoted one of the guys in there about like, don't even ask about the education aspect of it. It's just, you're wasting your time. If you're uh, pitching to these kids, like what uh, kind of debris degree program they could be on, what kind of track at this X school. And it's like, that was like one of the things that, would intrigue an Andrew Luck to a Stanford or a player uh, to Georgia tech was just that like, Hey, we can offer you this kind of elite education and you can also get a full ride scholarship to play football here. Um, here's this awesome thing. But now that's even been taken away where it's like how many kids want to deal with the the grind of a Georgia tech academic calendar while also playing football where there's no path to, uh, a winning culture anytime soon. It's just, it's a rough situation, I think, uh, on the flats. And I don't know. It, it just kind of bumps me out that the rivalry is this lopsided and I don't see a path out of it anytime soon. Yeah, for sure.
1: Like, I don't, I just don't know. Like, I don't even know where this program goes. Cause I felt like, I'll be on. like, it's one of my worst sports takes, right? I'll own it. Like, I thought Jeff Collins was going to be the guy to bring Georgia Tech back to relevance. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the next team that, that would win the ACC, not named Clemson. Granted, I was thinking Clemson would have at least, like, 2024, 2025. Give Jeff Collins some time to build up a competitive team there. But the way he was he was kind of selling the city of Atlanta, That's mm-hmm. that's what I've always said Georgia Tech should be doing. And kind of if you could get these, like, the third – like, we saw the state of Georgia just had more players than California drafted in this most recent draft. Like – that's insane what, what Georgia's producing at the high school level. And you saw, like, Steve Spurrier's South Carolina teams, like, the, the Kentucky teams of, like, those mid-2000s. Like, they were built on that that fourth-tier talent coming out of the state mm-hmm. of Georgia. Like, so many teams. Even Vanderbilt under, like, James Franklin would get a lot of those guys that didn't have offers from Georgia that would just were good players. And now you're seeing, like... Even teams smaller than Georgia Tech come in and get some of that talent before Georgia Tech's getting. Like you're seeing Central Florida come out and get mm. some before Georgia Tech's getting it. So I felt like even even someone like Auburn, like they're getting a, a level higher than South Carolina and Florida was, but like they, they would get guys that don't have Georgia offers. Like there's so much talent to go around in the state of Georgia. I would just think, especially especially that metro Atlanta area, you would just think Georgia Tech. You could just throw a rock at. A couple four-star prospects a year, and just get them on on campus. So like, I don't know. It seems like they could get five to ten of the top like forty players in the top fifty players in the state, and 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 start to do something. But they're not even doing that right now. So like, I don't know. I, I don't see any future where Georgia Tech is is getting better.
0: I don't either, man. I uh, I don't either. This this is sad. Um, I don't even know how to end on my. My version here. Uh <laughs> Virginia Tech plus two and a half uh against the West Virginia Mountaineers in week three. I love this for Virginia Tech. Um Mountaineers This is now. uh
1: in Blacksburg, right?
0: Uh I think it's uh no, I think it's in uh Morgantown, unless I'm misremembering it. Did I look at it wrong? That see. actually helps me.
1: I got Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's at home. It's okay. at, in Blacksburg.
0: That's what I thought. Okay, originally, yes. Um which I love. Blacksburg different kind of environment um would love for Tennessee to schedule uh, some consecutive home and homes there that would be nice um but look Brent Pry I think is more of a culture fit than Justin Fuente I think Justin Fuente I think people are discounting just how good he was out the gate uh in uh in Blacksburg he won it obviously didn't end well there but he's still a good coach and I'm curious to see what happens with him going forward but um, Britt Pry, longtime D.C. over there in Happy Valley uh, with Penn State. He was elite this past year uh, coaching the Penn State Nittany Lions defense. Like, he's co-defensive coordinator there, but been there a long time. Uh, long time Franklin guy. I think the culture and the buy-in is going to be immediate there. I think there is going to be uh, just a lot of optimism. And I think Virginia Tech will turn some heads a little bit. Uh, pretty early on there and I, I just like them at home. I think uh Graham Harrell and JT Daniels, uh Airy that they're gonna try and throw at Brent Pry. I don't think it's gonna work. I, I like uh, the hokies early there. That that app that that's an appetizing line to me. A rivalry game, that kind of thing. I, I like the hokies in Blacksburg in this scenario.
1: I'll be honest, I looked at this game and I was uh I almost picked West Virginia. But um the the Lane Stadium factor that, yep. that that kept me against it. But yeah, two and a half point home dog. I um I can never a home dog always seems like a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially one like that in a rivalry situation. Uh, watch out
1: for JT Daniels, man. West Virginia's Mountaineers are a sleeper next year if he can stay healthy.
0: We'll see, man. It's a big I... if. We'll see. I think I'm just excited for the backyard brawl. JT versus Keaton Slovis, the USC battle. Uh, for those two, I think that's going to be a, a fun game that you have to have circled. Um, I don't know. It's there's so many good games. When we looked at the calendar, uh, the Fox broadcast calendar, ESPN, and just all the big games and how they're scheduling it out. I uh, I just this is going to be pretty electric time. I was fired up and I was like, Oh yeah, stuff. we still got yeah.
1: See that um. Georgia, Oregon, three thirty, mm-hmm. and then Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State, seven thirty. That first week, that's that's going to be a, a nice little schedule. I'm curious to see what the noon game is that day. But yeah, you, you've seen. I guess you've seen Texas fans right mm-hmm. signing the petition to get their <laughs> game moved from noon, which is at eleven a.m. local kickoff versus mm-hmm. Alabama. Like, I'm torn on this, to be honest. Like, part of me wants to just troll Texas fans. And, like, you guys are just the worst. So, like, you just got, you like, the TV announcement of, like, your your big-time game for the season. And you're signing a petition to get the game changed. But 11 a.m. local kickoff, that's so early. Like, I don't know. I I can kind of sympathize with them a little bit. After watching a few of the noon game days uh like game days being at noon kickoffs like they did i think it was like back to back um oklahoma texas and then georgia arkansas i was really digging like college game day being like in the stadium like right as like ending as kickoffs about to happen like i thought it was like a cool although i don't know if they could even do that right if it's a fox game Mm -hmm. day might not even be in there might they might have uh their the pre the, the what am I trying to say priority there yeah like Brady Brady Quinn Reggie Bush they're not mm. they're not letting you on their turf you know urban Meyer he's not gonna stand for that so I don't know I'm curious but I' really liked when the uh, how they did that in a few of those those game days like went right into the game like it's like this is what we've been watching for the last three hours right on game day like let's let's watch this game now let's not wait eight hours uh, to watch it later
0: I also just think it's silly because um... The, that's the best game coverage you'll get in college football now. Clat and Gus. That big noon Fox game is top-notch year-over-year. Like, that's a great spot to, for you to be in. I understand the 11 a.m. like you laid out. But, man, if I'm a fan and I'm not there, give me the nooner. Give me the oh, big nooner. It's the best game. The as best a broadcast. neutral
1: fan, I'm all about it. Like, mm-hmm. game day ends, and now we have a good game to watch yes. right now. We don't have to sit through, you know – Northwestern Michigan State or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, we, we just get right into the good stuff. So I'm all for it as a fan, watching on TV, but, oh man, what time are you waking up? Like, that's that's such a big deal for Alabama to be there, in Texas, like, just the atmosphere. I feel like you do kind of lose something. Like, with the Red River shootout, like, you know that's going to be at noon every year, right? So mm-hmm. you're just... You plan your day, you probably have your yearly ritual of how you set up, how you get ready for that rivalry. But something that's special about this one, it feels like you're getting robbed a little bit of like that, just that energy around like the town. Like I Mm. I know I was living in Athens when Georgia had the blackout against Alabama. Obviously the game didn't go how um, Georgia fans wanted it. But there was just like an energy in downtown Athens that day that it was just like, national game of the week game days here like there's just it was just an electric atmosphere and you you had an eight o'clock game it was just all day for that to build up i don't mm-hmm. like waiting till eight o'clock 330 is like the perfect you know the for time slot in my opinion but um uh, mm-hmm. but yeah i so i can kind of sympathize with them a little bit but it's it's gonna be awesome to get to get the college football day started off that's week two so i don't know what uh what the other big time games are week two off the top of my head but um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm jacked about it, as Dan Quinn would say.
0: There you go. There you go. Matt Green, we can find you on Twitter at Matt underscore W underscore Green. And uh, all of his great college football takes and analysis. Go ahead and give him a follow there. And uh, we do this every week at this time. Glad to be back. And I'm glad school is uh, off my plate for the summer. So that's good. That is good. Uh, Matt School's Green. out
1: for summer? Is it out forever?
0: No, I graduate this fall. Yeah. Okay. One more Almost semester. there. Almost, Almost there. there. You just yeah. don't
1: want to graduate college. I got you, man. You just want to be in college forever. You're not. You're not fooling anybody.
0: I, I I'm not gonna lie. I do love. <laughs> I mean, I love being on campus. I mean, there was someone I will mention and we'll end on this. Uh, I was getting to the elevator. I was telling the fiance about this, um, which doesn't get old. The whole fiance thing. I like. I like the upgrade from girlfriend to fiance. <laughs> I, I like that sound. Um, but uh, I was on campus studying uh, late one night, and I. Went to get on the elevator, and I'm 31. That and these kids, 19, 20. Uh, <laughs> they get on the elevator too, and one uh, just there was a lot of capital B bro energy going on with the the three of them. And uh, one of them turned to the other and was like, "Bro, do you ever just put on uh, Beethoven when you're studying? It's clutch." And I. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you heard about this guy, yeah. Beethoven? You don't even know about this. <laughs> Let me show you this. That's funny.
0: It was uh, it was a lot where I was just, uh, man, I'm too old for this. I, I need to go ahead and get my master's and get out of here because it's just the kids and I, there's disconnect. We have nothing in common <laughs> anymore. We have nothing in common. Um, but there you go. Matt Green, all That's its pleasure. Awesome. And I will talk to you next
1: week. Yes, sir.
0: All right, that's all she wrote for the Thursday, May 19th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Amos Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the three-hour program today on the Chase Amos Podcast, where you can uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you never miss an hour of the program uh, going forward. So go do that. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com. Type in the Chase Amos Podcast. You'll find us there. All of our video stuff that you got to see. Uh, that uh, is great stuff there or near in the hundred mark on subscribers. So go ahead and get us over the top there this week. That would be great. Email this very program at podcast at gmail.com. So be a part of the show that way. Be a part of the show by tweeting at me at chase double underscore Thomas, like in the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, you can also read me and all my sports writing at sports renaissance type an email. Never miss any of my written work on that front sports renaissance uh, this is a daily program here on the Blue R Pod Network. So make sure uh, you're subscribed so that you never miss any of uh, the content coming through this very feed. Uh, new episode coming tomorrow. So we're back in full force. Grad school is uh, wrapped up for the summer. Uh, I finished up my last semester here at the University of Tennessee this fall. But yeah, uh, after a couple days. To recharge my batteries, but not really recharge my batteries because I had to do school stuff. So it's just a different uh, use of uh, my mental energy there. So excited to uh, get back in the saddle and uh, continue on here. So thank you as always, and uh, you guys have yourself a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Uncle Derek, how to do?